Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Pixar's Elemental. Joining me today, he just got finished teaching his daughters about pruning. It's Pixar correspondent Joe Morgan. Joe, what's going on? Josh, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Elemental is the, again, like we said, the newest film from Pixar. It is directed by Peter Son, written by uh, John Hoberg, uh, Kat Lakell, Brenda Sue. Uh, you might know that better than me, Joe. I don't know. It is the first Pixar movie since. Is it the wait? Is it the first one since Lightyear, Joe? Um. Uh. Yeah. 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 Wow. So it's been. It's we don't want to miss. We went a full year without a Pixar release. That's interesting. Uh. It's 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 the newest one since Lightyear, which Joe and I talked about. Uh. This time a year ago, it is a, very notable because you know after Lightyear, which was you know obviously of the Toy Story family, this is an original idea, and the story first of all centers or, or begins with uh in this world that is inhabited by actual elements. You know, here it's we worry about fire, earth, water, wind, or gas. Is it wind or gas? What are they? I don't know. Um, uh, I think wind is what they're going with there. It's 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 some kind of gas or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll cut that out. Uh, and anyway, but we we start we start with the fire elements of uh two two are they what are they fire beings uh Bernie and Cinder Lumen they are coming from like the fire world but immigrating to Element City which is you know this melting pot where all the elements kind of live together. But they have a lot of trouble settling in. They're facing some xenophobia and trying to like find a home and assimilate into the society. But they eventually find a place uh, where they're able to uh, settle and they open up their own kind of snack and convenience store. They have a daughter named Ember who grows up uh, wanting to run the store. But, you know, as she's getting of an age where that might become a thing, uh, she's having trouble managing customers and dealing with her temper. And uh, one day when they are just, you know, going about doing their stuff in the store, they uh, some stuff kind of po- pops off and uh, there might be some, you know, some leaking issues in the basement of the store. A city inspector named Wade, who is of the uh, water race or element, uh, shows up and starts writing them up and she chases uh, Wade down and he, before he kind of turns her family in, puts their whole store at risk. And uh, that kind of sets off a whole uh, chain of events about, you know, whether or not they're going to, they're going to be able to fight through all this bureaucracy and what they do, what, where they're standing as kind of low-class citizens in this world. Cause that's what the fire people are. Uh, if they're going to be able to overcome all that to like, you know, go, go on as a family. But at the same time, Ember is facing some questions about whether or not this is what she wants to do with her life. And at the same time, maybe like striking up some somewhat of a romance with Wade and let's just say uh, fire and water, they don't go together. So a lot going on here as they create this world and deal with these specific characters. Uh, Joe, I think, uh, I think you were pretty cautiously, cautiously optimistic about this movie. I was like, I kind of was intrigued by the trailer though. At the same time, I was, uh, you know, kind of questioning if this stuff was like as visually appealing. Cause I think I only watched the first trailer and I don't know how much that first teaser showed aside from like that, public transportation ride it was interesting kind of showed you what these characters are going to look like maybe not so much the world so i i was just kind of judging off of that i don't really remember watching any of the other trailers or anything like that so i was like uh eh, kind of interesting how they did that but like uh kind of just looks like these are just some blobs of people kind of like they had in soul or blobs of people kind of just looks like some blob characters like they had in soul i don't know really know if they're gonna uh, have their visual effects here and i i we, we talked a little bit about it so far and i know you uh, have you have some you have some critiques and some things you maybe wish you this movie had done differently, but I want to start positive. And I'm wondering because, you know, it's it's a big deal in that Pixar is like, you know, putting out another animated movie, even though if it's kind of strange how they marketed it and kind of strange how they made some of the choices by which which original films they give these pushes to and they give theatrical releases to. But when, when was the last theatrical release for Pixar for a, for a uh, non Toy Story film was was it Onward? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, really, the first 
post-pandemic original film. So that's notable that Pixar is doing this and it's kind of odd. The, the, it's probably kind of odd the way it's rolled out. It hasn't done so hot at the box office. We can talk a little bit about that as we have offline about like when a better time to release this might have been. But the fact is, one of these got out in theaters and they kind of held back some of the some, some of the bigger ones uh, that we wish that probably had gotten a theatrical release like Turning Red and Luca. Uh, so curious here, I'm wondering when it comes to this original story, what do you, what what were you kind of most pleased with what it brought to the table uh, that, for, that other Pixar films hadn't come before? What did you what did you feel like you got that was new? Well, with this one specifically, Pete Sone has a longtime Pixarian has worked on numerous films and in the Pixar canon actually um, has done some voice work for Pixar as well. And um, his first directorial effort for a feature was the good dinosaur, which was a famously very troubled production that went through like a director change, massive rewrites, like massive story changes, like all this stuff. And our our, our first post, our first first pandemic podcast, I recall we we covered that one. That's right. That's right. (laughs) You know, and the end result was like a charming movie, but you could kind of definitely see like all of the uh, see all of the um, the seams that have been like taped over or re-sewn together or whatever visual metaphor is better than what just came out of my mouth. Hmm. But so for this, I thought it was really nice that we kind of got a fully realized story and concept from um, Pete Sohn's own POV. And you could really feel his personal connection to it. And how much of himself he put in the movie. Like even if you stay through the end of the credits, there's even a quick tribute to his parents that he actually has lost both of them in the last several years. And so I really appreciate that he brought like his unique sensibility to it and was ultimately like a a touching, effective story, I felt. So like, um, yeah, I really was glad for Pete that he kind of got to um, bring this one home. And um, yeah, so I I enjoyed it for that reason. So, yeah, yeah. You raised some interesting points. We were talking about this a couple of days ago as to like the the choices they made in telling that story. Though I think the thing I would also say I like most about it, even if there are some interesting ways in the ways they went about telling the story, is that like I like some of the story choices that they made, and that like it made it it made a choice to kind of tell a to, to try and tell a story about class in a way that like I don't know if we've seen Pixar tackle all that recently. I think you kind of said like, hey, like maybe one of the elevator pitches for this would have been like Zootopia meets Inside Out or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had seen, I think maybe there are elements here or there of certain Pixar movies where you can say like, oh, they're trying to tell some kind of story and they have some kind of message they want to convey about the society we live in, class and all that. And sometimes they're, and not to say they don't deal with some, they, they've never done movies dealing with weighty themes before. Inside Out most certainly does, though. That's just more about the the human condition specifically or something like that, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and or, or friendship, family. It deals with certain things, but I, the scope of what it was trying to address in, in Elemental, like, I really appreciate it. And in some, in some spots, maybe it explains it a little bit um, pretty uh, pretty on the nose, which is it's not a, not a bad thing when it's about kids where it's like, you know, I think like I'm thinking of I, I think one thing that just stuck with me about the movie was when Wade gave the when Wade gave the talk about like how, uh, oh, you know, you can just like follow your dreams. And in response to that, Ember's like, not that easy when you're coming from a poor family and you're just a rich kid. I'm like, oh, it's cool that they're trying to deal with something like that. And maybe even some more subtle points about just like the ways you see the. The, the the fire people being treated or that they're basically living under a freeway or stuff like that. Like I was like, I really appreciated that they did that kind of stuff and managed to like kind of work in things of that nature in a way, in, but they still like, I be, I think, you know, not feeling like the whole enterprise was some lecture or treatise of some sort. So 
I kind of I, I I appreciate them just like going for something like that, and at the same time, like doing like doing some visual flexes in a way that I didn't necessarily expect. You know, I uh, mm-hmm. I my one of my biggest gripes with Soul was that I felt like oh we just jumped out of this city that was right really coolly rendered into like just not all that really visually uh, ambitious like afterlife. I, I forgot what they called the place they went in Seoul. I don't remember it off the top of my head. I don't. I don't know. Uh, but there was some name for that thing. I just can't remember what it was. Uh, and I was just like, ah, oh, this doesn't really look all that interesting. And here it's like, I really actually really liked Element City and thought it really, really cool. And it like assuaged some of my concerns about, you know, assuaged some of my concerns about like visually what I, what I thought going in when I just didn't, I wasn't really sure what to make of these beings. Joe, as someone that at some point in the next few weeks wants to take your two-year-old daughter to see this movie, um, not that you expect, uh, not that you expect your daughter to come out of this and be like, wow, dad, I can like totally explain all this socioeconomic issues. This, uh, this, this movie is trying to tackle. What did you, what, what did you think as you were watching this? And it's like, oh, I, I see them. They're making a lot of these storytelling choices here. And what did you think about like, oh, as you're watching this, because the first time you saw it, you saw it by yourself without the kid. What are you thinking when you're like, okay, they're trying to handle some, they're doing some stuff here that like adults are going to pick up on. But are you thinking, oh, my daughter is still going to find stuff to enjoy here at the same time. Did you think it like kind of did strike that balance and such that you would expect a a two-year-old to like still also enjoy themselves? Yeah. I mean, the movie looks gorgeous. Like, you know, as you spoke about, like just the design of the city and like the the intricacies of the characters, you know, it's like, um, I think back to, inside out which i mean honestly it's become like a drinking game when i appear on the show now that i mentioned inside out but i think it's Look, it's, it's it's top tier pixar like by, <laughs> by continuing to make movies pixar is begging for comparisons especially when they kind of veer into the territory they do in this movie mm-hmm. and and it's it's one of those things where like an inside out when they were character designing joy like they were trying to give off a sense of happiness so they gave her like this little like spritz sparkle around her to like mimic champagne right and then like they ended up doing that for all the emotions, but it's like, there's like just such this like care and attention to like very specific details like that. And in this one, like you really see, like you have these characters, like you have Ember who's constantly flickering and how her fire changes and stuff when she's upset and Wade who always, his head is seemingly always moving. And like, there's just so much to look at and how these elements are, elements um, are used specifically uh to tie into character to tie into moment and things like that and i think those are things i really appreciate from a visual perspective and, mm. and, and you think that that'll be stim- if nothing else those are stimulating for the youngsters oh absolutely yeah it's just it's and they do like a lot of great physical comedy in the movie too like uh you know which some of it is some of that stuff was given away in the trailers obviously but like um, the cloud guy getting hit by a car and just being upset about his shirt because he's obviously fine, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but um, yeah, like I think they did like a lot of very interesting, funny things with the physical comedy of the character specifically in this film. And I think that between just how gorgeous so many friends of this movie end up being like are just something that, you know, will attract um, yes. young kids who may not fully grasp the, um, the message of the film. Okay, so let me say I... As someone that was a little skeptical when I saw the first teaser, I as, as far as the, the the animation, like I I end up like you know agreeing. I, I end up very very much agreeing with you. It felt these beings were rendered in a way that felt pretty unique and really interesting to look at. So I think they proved me wrong there once I actually sat with them for the whole movie. But at the same time, you're saying, oh, kind of liked how they some of the physical comedy they derive from that. That's going to appeal to youngsters. But to to look at it the other way for a second, 
one thing you expressed to me is like you were struggling with the fact that like did this really need to be a story about elements? So have you thought about this a little more and what what it was about what the movie did that kind of left you thinking of on that point specifically as you left it? But at the same time, it was a lot of these things about rendering them as elements that you think might have drawn a kid in. So I'm wondering where you're at at this point, because I kind of am with you in, in some respects. It's like, OK, we did we did something about feelings. We did something about souls. We're doing something about elements. Like what amorphous thing is Pixar going to give us next as opposed to just like a movie about humans or something, you know, and like at least at least with at least well, and also at least with Inside Out. Like, I mean, it's a little, a little more directly tied to humans. So I think that's why it kind of like feels like there's more possibilities there, I suppose. But I, mm-hmm. I, I get that desire to be like, OK, like, are you going to just kind of dig deep and like do your do your next thing about like, I don't know, like. Uh, is there going to be a movie where it's like the dreams face off against the nightmares or something like that? You know, <laughs> like is that what we were headed next? Whereas we could just like get some get get another version of like I, I just something that's more like Ratatouille or The Incredibles. I don't know. So yeah. wh- 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 where are you where are you at in thinking about that? And have you thought have you conceived of a version of this movie that is about people that might work just as well for the youngsters? I think it might be out there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as I. As I watch, you know, as I watch this movie and I thought about this movie, like mm-hmm. I get like the I get like the the natural fire and water don't mix, right? Mm-hmm. And like and I feel like that that like dichotomy there was really well done. Like I felt like they did like had a lot of beautiful visual moments, mm-hmm. very metaphorical for Wade and Ember specifically, right? And like they were able to create like a bunch of beautiful art out of that. They were able to create tension out of the fire and water thing. I'm thinking specifically of the sequence in the Vivisteria station you know where ember has to where wade has to get ember out before her air bubble pops that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but you know as i'm watching the movie too i'm just like i was like you know do we really need like earth and wind in this thing you know like that that's sort of where i you know and like i get that they want like the city to be kind of a hodgepodge of cultures and they're specifically story work laid down where it's like the city began with the water people and then the earth people came and then the wind people came and how the city was kind of built around the three of them and the the fire people have been very much like not been accommodated not been accounted for in the building and construction of the city and that's very intertwined with the story um you know i just like i guess i guess one of my nitpicks i'll call it with the movies i feel like just some of the earth and wind stuff felt unnecessary but also like i get why they were included it's like the the four elements right so like that's just sort of where like i really like the fire and water metaphor but i'm also thinking like well maybe there was like a version of this that wasn't elements that would have been a very fascinating thing as well like it's almost like when you when you kind of premise the whole thing on elemental right and then we just largely ignore the like half of them for um for the majority of the runtime you know that's that's sort of the part where like my brain is kind of the gears are turning. Like, like, I don't think this necessarily makes it a bad movie, but like, I just, it just introduces questions for me as a viewer, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, again, like I'm, 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 I'm there with you on it. I'm like, I, I, I was just trying to think and I'm like, I, I like that. I, I want there to be like entertainment for children that can like deal with these themes. And at the same time, I want, I want Pixar to feel fresh and I don't want people to like, have any kind of like exhaustion or feel like they're getting worn out by it. Cause like, I think it's got like, I think we've, as we've both talked about, they've just gotten a bad uh, unfair. Like, I think they've got, had some unfair critiques leveled at them in the last three years. And part mm-hmm. of it might just be that they're not making as much of an imprint as they should, because they're not getting put in theaters until this one. And they did a odd job mm-hmm. with how they did it with this one. And it's like, I feel like everyone like, is just like offhandedly talking and like, you know, 
interviews and stuff or, or just podcasts I'm listening to about, oh, they've been on like a real cold streak lately. And it's like, I don't know, compared to like whatever Pixar did between like 1994 and 2007, like any studio output is going to feel like a cold streak. But like, I I, I think, I, I genuinely think like Luca and Inside Out are like, right up there with some of the some of the best ones that people think yeah. about and they just i, I don't I, I don't really understand what anyone is thinking when they like don't when when they when they say turning red is like just they just lump it in with some kind of slump i don't get it i don't understand anyone's reasoning for that that's a pretty unimpeachable movie in my in my, in my book so it's like it's kind of frustrating even for the thing about it. like what can they do to like kind of turn this tide and i don't know if people just kind of roll their eyes when they're like oh it's a movie about elements i don't know if it's that simple but it's, 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 it maybe makes it easier for someone to write off if it just seems like some other odd kind of like uh, weird idea that's hard to wrap your mind around. And I, I don't think that's what this is. I think that might have been more a little more what Soul was. But like, I, I just, I, so I'm like, I, what is the best way for them to like tell stories like this? Because I think that that would, there, there, there has to be a way to do it. But like, you know, I'm not paid the big bucks. Uh, so I, I don't have to necessarily answer those questions, but I certainly want them to like find a way to do it in a way that like appeals to like a more of a mass audience. And I'm trying to think like, when was the, I guess, well, they, they, when was the last, when, when, now help me out, Joe. Well, I guess, I guess it is kind of turning red. That was about people, even if there was like a non-human uh, element to it, obviously with what's happening to that main character. Is the last one, is the last, when's the last Pixar live action movie to like really be like, or not Pixar, not live action. When was like <laughs> when was the last Pixar movie that like was really about humans that didn't turn into something else? I mean, you know, if we're if we're just gonna exclude Toy Story from the narrative in a way. Because yeah, it's um, about toys. I mean, but yeah, and then Soul kind of has that afterlife. I guess it's kind of it's kind of light. It might well, it might be light year in a way. Yeah, but, light uh, year. And then I mean you kind of look at it though. They had like a they had that little run where they we went Coco, which Oh, was yeah. pretty much all entirely about human characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had Incredibles 2 the next year. And then right. um, so we're not that far away from that. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, and, and I feel like, you know, even if you like put it in like, a, put, put it in some other kind of setting where it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It's about, even if it's like the superhero, like you can, they can, they can, ex- like they can, they've used those stories, like tell the, to explore themes. It doesn't have to be like totally, totally low concept. Like you can have some other L- element there. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I think there's a I think there's a way to do it, and I I totally kind of get your instinct there. And I think one thing I would say, and this is like again, I've already talked about some of the stuff I really did like about this movie. And I think yes, in theory, the animation is a way to kind of like draw on the kids, but like a lot of it is like maybe in service of stuff that I didn't think the movie did as well from a storytelling perspective. Because I don't know if like the romance part of it was like developed as well as or executed necessarily as well as it could have been. I think you're, uh, and I think they're, they're trying to get a lot of mileage out of that as far as like, uh you know can 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 the fire and water touch and i don't know i i what did you what did you what did you because i think like you said they, they're interesting to look at from but from a storytelling perspective yeah it's kind of what keeps them apart but I, I still don't think we get like that interesting of an explanation for like how that part of it resolves itself either and i don't know if i felt like the romance there as much as i they wanted me to i, I kind of got that these these beings would have been interested in each other but at the same time, like I couldn't really like I think Wade is an interesting creation in the way he like cries and is really emotional and there's some fun water puns and uh plays on words you can do with that kind of thing. But I I I had a hard time like kind of reconciling the character he was when we met him with like where he got to exactly and why he would be that attractive to Ember. Like he's a nice guy, but like why is he such a stickler for the rules at the beginning if he's gonna be a softie as soon as like anyone pushes back against someone anything? I don't know. I 
did you appreciate did do you think the romance here was executed really well because also when i think about it like there's a lot of, like is has there been a pixar movie in recent years that like had this big of a storyline that revolved around a romance you think of that more as almost like a disney thing don't you yeah i mean you know one of the great romance movies of all time is wally um where been 15 years you know, yeah yeah which you know i mean gosh like you know we could do a whole separate episode on wally uh, mm-hmm. but, um yeah like this one had a lot had a big romance element that you know i mean which is like hinted at in other films like you know the incredibles movies are very much about bob and helen's marriage and especially the sequel which kind of deals with like you know rooting on your spouse when you're like you know when when you're the one who has to stay at home and deal with the house and the kids and the family and everything mm. you know but yeah like this one this one like was really kind of centered on that romance and it's one of those things where you know we just don't really get many rom-coms anymore you know in the mm. mainstream sense so like by those standards like you know like yeah like this it was nice watching two people fall in love even if it doesn't hit the levels of something like wally or when harry met sally or one of the various Tom Hanks vehicles of the nineties, you know, but mm-hmm. it, it's, it's interesting. Cause you kind of, it, there's, there's a lot like this movie has a lot of ideas and there's a lot going on. You know, you have like, you have the the whole thing with Ember trying to, you know, Ember's like legacy with taking over the shot from her dad. You have the whole issue with the dam, you know, you have like the element city itself, you know, you have like this whole bureaucracy angle too. And then you have like this romance element too. It's like this movie is having to like do a lot of stuff for um, something of its runtime, which, you know, I don't know off the top of my head, but I can't imagine it's more than a hundred minutes or something like that, which, you know, I'm prepared to be very wrong on that. If I double check it online just now. Okay. It's hour. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like there's, there's a lot going on there and um, you know, I mean, like I get, I, I mean, you know, did they land the plane? Like, yes. Like, is it, you know, a Sully-esque miracle in the Hudson sort of thing? <laughs> like, absolutely not. You know, like it's it's not the greatest love story in the Pixar canon, but like uh, they did they did just enough for me to buy in. Yeah. And I will say too, like when they do finally touch and share that dance and stuff, that's probably like one of my three or four favorite scenes in the entire movie where you yeah. kind of see like that water and fire interact and like, and that's and that's the thing that they well, given given oh. I mean, that's here's my question and maybe i'm getting too hung up on an inessential detail but we see a lot of like what the effect is that water has on fire throughout the movie a- anytime like they get hit by any of it it takes out a chunk of their body that has to like regenerate by them like consuming fuel basically uh <laughs> and then ember like when she goes out in public like she is wearing like a very specific kind of like shawl um hood I, what i'm not sure if i'm getting the right word for it but something that covers her entire head so she doesn't like affect any other element like the movie goes to great lengths to show how these different elements like might have this effect on each other did did, did you did you find yourself like wanting a little more of an explanation for why they actually were able to hug and touch at the end or did, are we supposed to just accept well if it's true love then it won't matter i had about eight or nine moments in this movie where I was just like, I, you know, like my scientific knowledge peaked with like middle school biology. So, um, so I'm just like, I see this thing happen. I'm like, well, they put it in a movie. It must have some basis. In fact, it's like, it's like, it's like he should either, <laughs> like, he, wait, shouldn't, 
I passed AP chemistry somehow. Mm-hmm. It allowed me to, uh, and I, I, I thought I had failed it after I took it in mm-hmm. junior or senior year of high school. I don't remember which one. And that, that alone allowed me to like, when I got to university of Florida, I, I to get all my general education science credits, I basically only had to take like two of the BS classes they had there for science, like man, yeah. food and growing food for fun and profit. One of the, it was, I think that was the second one. Uh, so it was kind of, it was kind of like, all right, like I, I deuces, I'm out on science. That being said, I'm pretty sure when water touches fire, fire gets extinguished. Or when fire gets close to water, it might just like, you know, boil it and evaporate it. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering, uh, how are they able to hug? I don't know. I feel like they, re- I, I just wanted like one line, like explaining it or just to be like, ah, true love. It doesn't matter. I, I was like, wait, like I, we've seen why this shouldn't be able to happen the whole entire movie. And they, they're so afraid of it. Now it's like, all right, now they just like, they can just like kind of combine and, you know, just like, I don't know, just like stimulate each other even more, which, you know, good for them. Do your thing. <laughs> but I, movie magic. Movie yeah, magic. Yeah, okay. I, I can just, I can, I can just accept that. It's just, it's just the movie felt went to great lengths to show the different elements and like the different precautions they had to take throughout the entire movie. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. One of them could like explode and like cause some problems for another one. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it was definitely one of those things where I was just like, I was like, I, um, uh, there's this famous scene and it's always sunny in Philadelphia mm-hmm. where Dennis and Glenn, uh, <laughs> Dennis and Mac confront Charlie about um, burning trash. And then <laughs> Charlie asserts, um, Oh, like I burn the trash and like it gives the bar the smoky smell we all like. And then it goes into the sky and fills it with stars. <laughs> and, and um, Dennis is very upset by this and says, it's not true. And Mac says, well, you know, I don't know. About, I don't know enough about stars to dispute it. And so that was sort of, like just my attitude with some of the stuff in the movie it was like I was like well I, I I don't I don't know about that but I, I I really don't know enough to dispute it so I don't I don't know so I don't know but like there's a there's a very funny like scene left on the cutting room floor I'm sure where they embrace and immediately extinguish one or the other you know <laughs> yeah I, I I I again not the biggest hang up but it, it's just something that gave me like a little bit of pause in the moment. Yeah, um, how, do, how did you feel? How did you feel about the larger depiction of this city? Um, I know we talked a little bit about it visually, but what did you think about like Pixar, like, you know, trying to uh, portray uh, bureaucracy and city and city management dysfunction? And how did they do in tackling that? Well, when we started all that kind of stuff, I was like, are we going to get like a little Chinatown thing here? Like, is like, you know, it's like we're going to have some cool intrigue and stuff. And like, you know, we obviously didn't get to that level. Um I don't know. It's it's very hard to show that kind of stuff and have it be interesting. Like they kind of did the important stuff, right? They gave us like the ticking clock and where it's like, okay, if you don't get this fixed by Friday, then like we're gonna shut down your shop, that kind of thing, right? Um, you know, I mean, I don't know. Like I tend to, you know, I didn't think there was anything particularly fascinating about the bureaucracy of it. Mm. Uh, I was listening to um a podcast about the movie and they sort of spoke to how like, you know facing the bureaucracy of having a system that's not built for you, doesn't account for you really kind of relates to the experiences of a lot of black and brown communities, which um, I am not personally aware of, obviously as, you know, a white person. So like I was sort of enlightened by that aspect of it. Cause I, um, you know, it was something I had witnessed in the movie and didn't think much of on first viewing. And then um, now that I rewatch it, I'll probably kind of look at it through that new lens, but like just within the moment in the movie itself, I just, you know, I was just like, oh, okay, like this is just, you know this thing they have to do you know on the on the bureaucracy stuff like i i think i think it did a pretty good job of conveying the scale of that city is what i'll say and mm-hmm. uh yeah they didn't really give the uh the wind slash 
gas people. I'm going to keep calling them slash gas people because I think gas is more helmet <laughs> than wind. I don't know. It's uh, a funny and, word too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, th- that and the Earth people they got the they got the short end of the stick, but at least like they they made their presence felt uh, mm-hmm. throughout the movie. And between between doing that and just kind of like zooming through the different neighborhoods like they did, I I I, I kind of got a sense of it. And and you and, and you do understand like you know. Like you said, they they, they I, I've seen that too a little bit where they're saying they just kind of like maybe use the fire people as a bit of an avatar for people of color, like lots of different kinds, which is fine because maybe it would be difficult if they tried to do a one to one comparison to a specific race that could open up another can of worms. And it's like, look, they're yeah. they're trying to like you know maybe show how marginalized people are you know left behind in certain respects by cities. And it's like, hey, how come the parts of a city where uh, where where people of color live or where any kind of disadvantaged person lives like shouldn't the city services be the same regardless you know like yeah. that, that, that i think that's i think that the fact that the movie is able to kind of like approach that issue in a way without necessarily like spelling it out too much it's just kind of understood this is where this thing is happening this is where this mm-hmm. leak is happening they don't really seem to care about it they'd rather just shut down a business than actually do something about it and it's Mm. honestly like does it unfortunately kind of rings true to how like some cities function in america so yeah i thought that mm. was fine and they that they it was interesting visually how they did handle that part of the movie so it was like okay at least with this one respect with how they're trying to show how this government works like that 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 worked that worked fine for me especially because like the glass blowing stuff is actually really cool with like how they made that look and stuff you know oh so, yeah I, yeah I, I, I thought that i thought that was one of the core flourishes in the movie mm-hmm. yeah the the glass blowing stuff specifically was just really awesome like i love the way they um they rendered that and the way it looked and like i mean it's just such a natural thing too with the fire character you know to have her be able to you know make glass like that and just i mean it, it that those those moments looked gorgeous you know between the dam and the the store display window and the and the, the little vivisteria um uh sculpture thing she made as well so how did you think that stuff worked at the moment as far as um uh specifically how that played into ember's story uh as 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 like wanting to break away from the family and do something different not that you've ever had to like you know i don't i don't i don't i don't know to my knowledge i don't think you like turned away a family business to go pursue a creative field but that is kind of what she is doing here i can relate to it at least somewhat in that like i have i i have parents that i would i i have parents that like were very supportive of me like going into a creative field if i should do that they you know i mean they i think they were probably a little better off economically than Ember's family is supposed to be in this movie. But nonetheless, like my parents like did well and like supported me. Should I have like pursued journalism and not done it? And so it's like, you kind of want to like make your parents proud. And I think that's like a universal thing that someone can relate to uh, if, especially if your parents have sacrificed something for you. So like how did pick, and, and I think that's like another, um just a, I feel like a, a universal theme that Pixar is able to get at that. I think multiple generations uh, could definitely appreciate it. It made me think a little bit about like, you know, um, our uh monsters university pod if i remember correctly yeah. where we talked about like hey going into like pursuing your dream and like whether or not like that is like ultimately going to be the best thing and the and how you think about that like to, to what extent you should pursue something like that uh I, I i i remember appreciating i mean it's been three years i think since we did that podcast at this point but like i remember like that because that, we did that because i hadn't seen that one before i'd seen monsters inc and not that one i'm like oh this is interesting territory for them to mine in a pixar movie and here i think they are doing something similar to that but also like you know even taking it a couple steps further by making it about a family uh did, did that story really resonate with you because we, we talked a little bit about like some of the socioeconomic stuff earlier in the podcast and how we were impressed with how the movie kind of went there but did you think like hey they did a pretty good job of like also telling this family's story uh 
and we didn't we didn't even really get to like this the general xenophobia of it all but like that's a pretty moving at certain parts too like how, how did you feel it did in like telling the story and how like really i mean it's an immigrant story i didn't even really use that term yet but it, it really is like an immigrant story and that's another new thing pixar is doing here they're trying to do a lot of stuff in this movie like it, I, and I, I do commend them for that even if like we, we were, we're saying they succeeded to varying degrees what did you think about how it kind of like told this family story while also doing all this other stuff we already talked about i thought it was really effective you know i mean i feel like parents and kids universally kind of deal with that you know parents having certain expectations of a child and the child whether they butt heads with that or if they kind of go along with it and then it takes on that whole new level in families when uh, families of immigrants you know who the parents do give up so much and then the child wants to go in a different direction and like um that's where like the movie really hit me where she's just desperately trying to keep this this thing together for her dad really trying to keep this thing together for her dad and you feel the pain of her like wanting to do something else and and i kind of and like one thing i liked that the movie did it was it wasn't like she in the first 10 minutes she was like i've always dreamed of being a glass blower and like my parents won't let me do that life you know it's just like she's yeah, like you really see the progression and how she feels about all this right and it's 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 really well done where it's just like she's just like yeah, I'm going to run the shop. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to do. And then like, it's not going well, it's not going well. And then the self-doubt creeps in and, and there's like all that uncertainty and all that stress from that uncertainty and that thing that's gnawing at her for a long time. Like, I like how we gradually play that out in her arc rather than, you know, just, you know, I mean, I'm not disparaging Coco when I say this, but you know, Coco begins, he's like, I want to be a musician, you know? Um, you know, so it like, they, they don't they don't just copy that you know mm -hmm. it's it's like its own thing and I, I i think it's really effective and it's something that um i now that i know like the end game of the movie i like would be interested in like seeing it play out again and kind of maybe pick up on some more nuances that i may have missed the first time through yeah it's, it's kind of interesting like i feel like you know like i think it kind of goes to what you were saying just now like i feel like a lot of movies start out with someone just like making their passion be known and then the movie's about are they going to get there and it's interesting to see someone like kind of develop that and like really take her on a long arc from being super excited about it in the beginning of the movie to like mm -hmm. doubting whether or not it's for her, but still kind of wanting it then finding something else, but not really knowing if that, that can be her passion, but then being told, Hey, there's a chance you can do this dealing with that guilt and then having to deal with the fallout of your family, not supporting you of it. And then at the same time, like getting back around in the end, like it's, it's a lot. And like you said, it's only, uh, only 109 minutes. So it's, it's, I think they do accomplish a lot with that character in two hours. Well, setting up a, a a lot of other stuff um and i and i want and i think one thing we should we, we haven't mentioned to this point really uh is one thing i'm sure you clocked early on or maybe before you even saw the movie was that it's a little unique in that like this is i'd say like more so than like any pixar movie in recent years they're using like voices that voice actors that we're not as familiar with outside of the context of being voice actors for this movie um yeah. i don't who who are the, who are, I forgot who are the big voices in Coco? I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, that had oh, uh, yeah. what, we sorry? have like Benjamin Bratt in there and Gael mm -hmm. Garcia Bernal. Right. And, okay. Yeah. yeah. They're so they're even more names than the people here. I'd say. Uh, yeah. Where it's like the the biggest names are uh, are supporting performances like with Wendy McClendon Covey playing Gail, the uh, the the big the big bureaucrat who like who's an air element and Catherine O'Hara playing Wade's mom. And other than that, like, I honestly didn't even recognize, I, rec I recognize the name of the guy that played uh, Wade and I'm not sure what I knew him from. Mm -hmm. 
like I, I he was in that. He, I, I'm looking at it. Oh, okay, he's been in some stuff before. Okay, he has been in some things I've seen before. I, I'm not sure which one I recognize him from. He's in Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, his his name is uh, Mamudu Ati, and he was in Jurassic World Dominion. Not a good movie. The Circle. Not a good movie. Uh, Patty Cakes, the one about the uh, w- w- woman rapper, which I watched on a plane, but and then the front runner, a movie that's not as good as I wanted to be. So I've seen him in like, uh, <laughs> I see, I've seen him in a lot of stuff. I just, I, I don't know, but I, so I recognize that one, but it's really like two recognizable actors. And other than that, like people we don't really know. And there's, and I think that kind of works to the advantage sometimes. I mean, like, you don't, you can't say, oh, come listen to Tom Hanks voice a character here. Um, mm-hmm. but like at the same time, you don't really, you, you it's probably easier to just kind of like accept this person as a character if they just don't sound like someone as famous as Tom Hanks. And I think that, you know, like the, the parents have, I, I say all that to say the parents have a pretty important role in this movie and that like, you got to like, really like buy them as someone that's like, you know, from not of that world, but like obviously care about their daughter enough that like you feel for them when they are like kind of coming apart, even if you don't necessarily like agree with what they want with her in the moment, particularly the dad, the mom's just, eh, she's just kind of there to be the matchmaker, whatever, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but like you, you, I, I mean, you really feel for that dad character. Like, wh- did you have any thoughts as you were watching this and you just like heard these voice, like, I don't know if you really knew much about any of these voice performers going in, but like, what did you think about them as you were watching them? And like, how did they kind of like inform the, inform the character? Cause I just talked all about how, like, I thought they did a really good job setting up that family, but like, that's it, really, that's really, just not going to work as well as it does. If they don't, you don't get good voice performances. And that's, got to be pretty hard to like you know play a immigrant in a fake world you know it's not even like oh yeah. go do a go do a, an accent of like a like a, a like a a german person who like is speaking english in america or something like that you're just like hey like go make play a foreigner in the in this fictitious element world it's, it's probably not the easiest ask of a voice performer no absolutely not and um you know it's you know i mean in in my in my line of work, I've been in those voice record bits and you like work with actors and like trying to find the right voice and the right, you know, character for a moment. And that's in your standard stuff, you know? So you're like, you're kind of having to do a bit of invention here. That's not too derivative of any one thing, especially because, you know, we talked about earlier, we don't really want to have a one-to-one comparison between mm-hmm. certain elements and certain cultures. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, you know, it's a tricky balance, a tricky walk to walk. And, um i really i really did like the voice performances in this movie and you know you know like you spoke to i i just would like to say like you know as much as we praised like oscar isaac and daniel kaluuya and jake johnson and names we know in spider-verse and i I feel like animation largely has become more about casting celebrities than like actually finding the right actor for for the performance like for example oscar isaac is an incredible miguel in spider-man across the spider-verse but like you know how many times are you like casting big name and just getting the performance you need or performance you want? So it was kind of refreshing to kind of, to go into this and to be unfamiliar with the people in the film, you know, like it's, it's just really easy to like, be like, all right, here's like a bunch of talking animals and parents. It's John Cena and Kristen Bell. It's like just throwing all these names out there and like, not to disparage those two names individually, but you know, I just, it feels like so many animated posters now are John like, Cena can do no wrong name. unless you make him the serious military guy like they did in Bumblebee and in fast nine. <laughs> Correct. Correct. John, John Cena is great. Um, he is, he's number two on the um, active wrestlers turned actors rankings for me. Um, Batista has the pole position right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Um, but anyway, largely speaking, I thought the performers did a really nice job. Like um, there was nothing really distracting, which is great. You know, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I feel like I feel like it was well, I feel like, I feel like it was well done. And I feel like, um, you know, I can't really speak 
to trends as a whole, but I do think Pixar always does a nice job of kind of finding the right actors for these roles, even if they do go with names, you know, a lot. And, they, and, and to their credit, they didn't do that in Turning Red, really. I mean, like it's Sandra Oh and the girl from um, Never Have I Ever played one of the friends of the main character, but I don't, and so she's kind of a name, but I, I don't want to insult her and mispronounce her name right now, but like, other than that, I don't think they had any like big time voice performance. I guess uh, I, f- I feel like uh, was it like the were the couple of the Jonas Brothers might have been involved in the band in that one, but like as far as like the main characters, they they didn't go big name if I remember correctly for Turning Red. Right. So it's like they mm-hmm. they don't always necessarily just like go for the biggest biggest names. Um, not even sure they really did in Luca. If you want to like, I mean, I guess Jacob Tremblay is in every single voice thing now, and uh, Jack right. Razor's done some stuff. But, like I think I I feel like they. They're not the biggest offenders in that regard. And they, they 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 made very very deliberate choice here not to do that. And I don't I don't think that like anyone I don't I don't think anyone can say that was the wrong choice because I do think the voice performers really do add to this movie and they 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 develop the characters pretty well. Even if I like I said I have my quibbles with like some of the specific character beats and if they got to the right place that's not at all the fault of the performers and mm-hmm. like it's not even like I, I hope they don't regret that choice like i don't whatever box office troubles it's having like i don't think it's because like they didn't have a big name there it's i think it's other factors so mm-hmm. yeah any 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 i mean let me jump to the ending joe as i usually do before we work our way back is there how, how did you feel about how the movie ultimately resolved itself we already talked about like oh like, they didn't really give a big explanation for fire and water being able to touch but like I was thinking about it as I was preparing for the podcast and I, I was like, I, I went back and I looked at the plot summary and I was like, wow, a lot happened in like the last 20 minutes. Like the family, mm-hmm. like, you know, she, the, the, she and Wade finally embrace. She's like, I can't do this. I got to go be with the family. Uh, Wade shows up, professes his uh, love for her. She turns him down. But at the same time, the parents kind of find out that she, her dad kind of finds out she burst the pipe. He kind of like disinherits her again or says, you're not, you can't do this again. I can't honestly can't remember what really happens to her between then and when she like goes to warn the family about the uh av- the flood that's coming, uh-huh. uh, which and so she's trying she goes back to helping them after he's like the, her father's a little bit like dis- disinherited the store from her. Wade shows up again after everyone's like shunned him, so he gets to be the hero. And then they they, they kind of like they're able to like you know uh, save Wade after he sacrifices himself, and everyone lives happily ever after. I, all that stuff happened pretty fast. Not in a way that like bothered me in the moment. I was like, oh wow, they really like I, I just went back and I was like, oh, they packed a lot in like that last 20 minutes. A lot of people like switching sides, uh, getting mad at each other, forgiving each other. So I was like, they did a lot there. I don't know if they did it poorly. I just there might be a couple beats in there that are hard to recall because it didn't move so fast at that point. Uh and then and then it's like, oh, like we went back and forth on like that freaking dam with the flood so many times, like, oh, these sandbags work, they don't work, the glass, uh, the glass looks really cool, it, it gets approved, then all of a sudden that doesn't work. There's a lot going on there with where they ultimately get to where they need to go. So I say all that to say, like, I think they mostly, like you said earlier, they mostly landed the plane in in most respects for me, other than like me being a, a, a little nitpicky about the fire water stuff. Uh, were there any other thoughts about how they like brought all those different storylines together at the ending for you and anything they did well, or maybe not as well? Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I kind of felt like the ending was very like jam packed in that session. And like um, the movie as a whole, I feel like like the beginning part of the movie felt like very much like you need to know this, need to know this, need to know this, need to know this. And then that whole middle portion of the movie moves at like this wonderful pace where I'm just like, I was able to settle in as a viewer, take in the like, story. Like when, like, when, like I, even if I was a little uh, iffy on like the relationship with her and Wade, like those scenes where they are like kind of going out are, are very beautiful. 
Yeah. And like, I feel like we, we just settle into this nice pace in the middle of the movie. And then all of a sudden it's like into the movie, boom, 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 boom. Right. So I was like, I was like, I wonder if like we, you know, as much as I liked how we were able to kind of ease our way through the middle part, like not saying there wasn't any conflict or any problems. I'm just saying like, as a viewer, it felt very, like it felt like very nice in that middle part. But in the beginning, the end, I kind of felt like we had a lot of stuff happen, like to the point where I was just like, we're leaving, like we're leaving the scene or we're leaving the space already. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like the, the end, I liked, I liked the stakes being that high. I liked how I liked the blue flame being the signifier of it's in like her going to end for the blue flame and kind of misunderstanding like the importance of that versus everything else. And then like, and I was just like, Oh my God, they, they killed Wade. I was like, mm-hmm. Wade is dead. He's gone. Mm-hmm. And then, and then like, it was like the science moment where I was just like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess like, I don't know. Did you actually think <laughs> Pixar would go there? I don't know. I, I was just, has there know, ever I, been a death? What, what, has there ever, like, what's the most significant death in a Pixar movie? You're, you're a good person to ask the question to. Are there any? Is it Charles Muntz when they kill him and up? Um, spoiler alert. 14 years later. Um, they, uh, Hopper gets eaten alive by a bird. Um, Ellie dies and up. Yeah, maybe up's the one with like the most um, significant body count Wait, there. Ellie being the 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 his Carl's wife. Uh huh. Yeah. And like, well, yeah, and that's like, yeah, that's so isolated in that corner of the movie in a way people remember. Like, has there ever been a character that people spent significant time with that then like that then that then died in a Pixar movie? And uh, I, I don't say that to say I wish Pixar had done that. Oh, Bing Bong, Bing Bong, man, oh, shit. Bing Bong. Yeah, how, how, how can I forget that? Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, and like that's not, and people look back on that as like, wow, that move that that was like a genuinely like moving moment that like wrecks people. But no one's like they shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you know, I think everyone thinks it worked within the context of that movie. So, I mean, did you do you think Wade should have died, or were you like impressed enough by the science at all that you're like, okay, it's cool, or, or did you like leave it feeling, like, man, this <laughs> is like when they should have killed Chewie in uh, Rise of Skywalker? You know, they, 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 yeah. it's, just, it's a massive fake out, like, and this is just cheap. And you're gonna do if you're gonna go that far, you may as well just like pull the pull, pull the literal and figurative trigger. Let, let me stake out my side right now. They should have killed Chewie. Like <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna give us that shock, like let's bring it home. Like yeah, yeah. don't like come oh, okay. Like I don't want to say anything. I don't want to kick a movie we're not talking about. But <sighs> but, but 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 like I mean with Wade, like I think it was still. A, a, I mean I I I would hear an argument that like maybe they could have gone there, but like at the same time that happened so late in the movie that like mm-hmm. there's no like I think any like and I get it. Like you're not gonna have a Pixar movie that has a dark ending. So if you had killed him that late in the movie, there wouldn't have been a way to like leave the kids feeling good, in my opinion. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, Wade had to come back. I didn't want Wade to die. And was- and the other thing I was gonna say was that like they do a pretty good job of like having that be its own moving moment of itself, bringing him back with a nice callback to like, oh, make him cry. The elements that of the elements of him that are still there will now cry if you do it that way. So it was it was a pretty cool callback that did feel kind of earned. At the same time, it's like, man, that was a pretty big fake out and i'm like maybe we're due for one where pixar just like gut punches you you know i i i I, I mean like it's been uh eight years since inside it's been eight years since inside out right uh so uh maybe 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 we're due for another uh maybe we're due for another bing bong moment (laughs) hey toy story five you know we finally off buzz lightyear you know um i mean like maybe they really should have like when they were like if 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 i mean if they're already kind of like on the outs a little bit with tim allen like you know why not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they meet a new factory buzz voiced by chris evans and he's one of the uh 
he's one of the overstock from the there you there you there there you go um no but i i um overall like i i I kind of agree like it the the ending like in 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 like or i don't agree i i I was the first one to make the point i i agree with myself that i think it was (laughs) i think maybe it was it was rushed in certain points during that last act but overall i think like the the emotions of most of the characters still worked for me even if like maybe i wasn't like totally sold on uh, Wade and uh, Wade and Ember's chemistry throughout the entire movie, like everything works like well enough that like I'm still like I was still fairly into it and uh, moved, especially when they brought him back to life. And um, I don't know. I I, I you, you well one other thing before you finish, like you, you did you did express to me a few weeks before it came out that you you once you discover that uh, Thomas Newman was doing the score, you were excited about that. Maybe maybe some of me like some of the emotional parts of this movie working better for me than I expected. Maybe some maybe he gets some credit for something like that. Were there any moments where you're like, oh yeah, this is like what I was hoping for when I when I saw he was doing the music? Oh yeah, he does like some really interesting things with the score. I was actually listening to it today. Like, I love that main theme and um, like, I'm not going to try to sing it or anything, mm-hmm. obviously, but um, it's, it, you'd recognize it as um, that main recurring uh, theme that goes throughout. It, it must be Ember's theme or something like that. And then um, a lot of interesting, like chanting and vocal choral stuff in this score too, which I really thought was nice. Like it would kind of mm-hmm. bounce from place to place. So um, I really enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm probably going to just, um, as someone who listens to film scores on Spotify, of course, you know, I mean, asking me about, I mean, Thomas Newman's like my favorite movie composer. So like if we famous, <laughs> we famously had, had words about Thomas Newman on the, a man called auto podcast uh, earlier this year, but um, wait, did Daniel yeah, like, criti- did Daniel criticize him or something? Yeah. He, oh, I can't he remember. Like <laughs> elevator music or something. Oh gosh. I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed what he did with this one. And um, I mean, Thomas, especially Thomas Newman and Pixar. I mean, like you get Finding Nemo, which is an all timer and he did Wally as well. And he's just fantastic. Um, yeah, but the score was great. And um, and it, it probably gave those moments that extra oomph that they needed, you know, and kind of help bring things home. He's just, you know, he's he's great. He's the best. OK, so he's Randy's cousin. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't and- realize that. And he he usually always scores on the Randy Newman stage at Fox, I think. Um, hmm. But or you know, I could be completely wrong about that. But whatever I've noticed in the credits, he's doing on the Newman stage. So I'll just note again, like I I'm not I'm not the best at picking up on film score stuff, but like that uh, we, we as you uh, confirmed for me yesterday, like that first teaser trailer is like might have just been a test run of something they did that they just put out there, and like hmm. I enjoyed the music in that, and I enjoyed the tension that it like built in that moment in that teaser. And I, I almost like maybe would have been more into their, I almost would have been more. In, I, I think maybe like the thing that maybe what bothered me more, and it wasn't even like Wade and Ember's relationship throughout. I think it might have been more specifically been like, I kind of had it in my head that there was going to be some like tense moment like that where they first met, as opposed to this weird thing where like Wade was like this really big rule stickler and not like a guy that would really just literally melt into a puddle and figuratively melt into a puddle, which is what he was the rest of the movie. I just thought that first scene with them was kind of odd where he was doing the inspector thing and it didn't really jive with how we saw him the rest of the movie. And maybe that like colored my view of it going forward where I was like, Oh, they'd had some like interesting meeting where like through the way it shot in the music, you felt some kind of attraction to them, but you just kind of understood like, Hey, this is not as uh, easy as your regular meet cute given their, the nature of these beings. I would have been like more into the invested in, in, in on their relationship from the start, which is what that teaser promised. And I think, I think if that, that had been how they introduced him as opposed to like having this whole thing where he's the inspector guy, like that, he didn't have to be the inspector guy. 
You know, mm-hmm. like I think there's a version of this movie that still maybe deals with whatever bureaucratic dysfunction Pixar has an interest in interrogating without making that wade. And maybe I, that would have made things work for me a little better, though, as I honestly think talking to you about it, it's like maybe like up the movie in my estimation, whereas like I was expecting maybe it to go the other way around based on the things you expressed to me uh, before he did this. But yeah, yeah whatever. Uh, I, 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 I like I agree with you. I think they I think they would have benefited from like a meet cute scene where they have like an unexpected run in and Ember's like, oh, water guy, no, but like it's a charming moment. And then like we get like the city inspector element afterward. Like, like, I mean, I can't think of a single example right now, obviously, but like, you know, you have tons of movies where there's the meet cute and then they get like Dan in real life is a great example, right? Where like they have the meet cute at the bookstore and then um, Steve Carell gets to the house and realizes the girl he met at the bookstore is actually her, his brother's girlfriend or fiance or I, I don't know. It's been, a, it's you know, like if we had had that flip where, you know, she's like, you know, she meets him. They have a little meet cute moment where she's like, oh, okay. And then it's her day to run the shop and the inspector comes, you know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. him, you know, like that would have been, um, that would have been an interesting way to do it. Like, you know, and maybe they tried a version of that and it just wasn't quite landing with, you know, where they wanted it to. But, um, and like, you know, and I just want to say too, like with this movie, like, you know, there's that whole romance element, like market is like a romantic comedy, man. Like we need to like a meet Wade. He's a water guy. Meet Ember. She's fired. Like, you know, mm. like I don't, and maybe there is a trailer like that out there. I don't know. I just feel like sometimes like these marketing departments, like I'm sure they're like, I'm not going to sit here and say I know how to do your job. I just want to know if they're watching the movie before they start marketing the movie. Because I just feel like I did not get a sense of what this thing was at all before I went to see it. And like, I'm, I am like a. You follow you Pixar know, more than anyone. You probably yeah. had an understanding of what it was. Like the, the Pixar logo gets me in the theater usually with these things. So like, it doesn't really matter how they're marketed as far as I go. But I just feel like there wasn't nearly like, there wasn't understanding what this thing was. There wasn't nearly the saturation, like the market saturation we usually get with these things. You know, like I feel like there was not nearly the merchandising television ad push that you're accustomed to seeing with some of these big. Like this is the Pixar summer movie. Like Finding Nemo was an original Pixar that came out during the summer, right? Like The Incredibles, Ratatouille, like all these movies came out during the summer, you know, and like they're like these big monstrous hits. And I'm like, why isn't this movie getting that same push? You know, I don't know. Any, any other, yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, even if like, I didn't, I, even if it's like, maybe not on the level of some of the other Pixar movies we talked about that we really liked, I think it, it's just like, it, 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 it should just get some, like I, like I kind of ranted about it earlier. It should have just gotten some different kind of treatment uh, mm-hmm. when it just, it, it should have just gotten some more, you know, push to like be a big deal. Cause Pixar should like want to like, you know, have its independent movies or have it have its standalone movies be successes i think that's or and if they're big enough success maybe they can you know make another sequel about it like they have with some of their other ones but yes yeah. um it's just it, it, that's never going to happen if they don't like you know give it a proper marketing push behind a theatrical release and you would have thought they would have been like very excited to do that since they hadn't had one of those in a while aside from Lightyear. So yeah and i mean i was heartened by pete doctor who kind of talked about the importance of originals to the studio this week it wasn't just like a circling the wagons like okay we're just gonna make sequels from now on you know like you know to his credit he came out and said originals are gonna be part of who we are and that's you know what we do every like all these movies you love were originals at some point right so like it's i they have the right they have the right person in charge so like i'm not i'm not worried about them at all i just i just want disney to treat them better because i feel like you know they've kind of 
taking them for granted or, you know, or just are not prioritizing them or whatever else. I don't know. So anyway. All right. Any other final thoughts on, uh, on elemental Joe before we wrap up? Um, just, I did not understand the, the wind cloud sport at all. It was like Quidditch, but kind of farting at the same time. Yeah, um, it was 42 to three at one point, And then <laughs> Wade cheers for the goalie. And then suddenly they win. Like, I was just like, I, I don't know what's going on here. Like, I, feel like that felt, I felt like a little bit of a missed opportunity to not uh, have a little more clarity on whatever that was, you know? I mean, it's just like 42 to three. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, I guess I, I just like, it was a confusing score to show me and to have the game end like two minutes later, you know, and they've won. Like, I was just like, wait a second. Like, I just watched the Jaguars come back on the Chargers in the playoffs this year, and it was not a 39-point deficit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. The windbreakers that, versus the crop dusters. I mean, that, that made me that made me laugh a little bit. I, I, I did I, I did appreciate that. I love fictional movie sports teams. I'm all about that kind of merch and everything. So was yeah. it uh did you did you clock in when we were at Wade's house that it looked like one of his siblings was gay, right? They introduced a a uh i guess oh, non, non-binary yeah like, oh non-binary okay i missed that okay yeah lake uh, ripple i don't know I, I don't i don't know if pixar is like patting itself on the back for that too much uh i don't i, I haven't seen that much of it because I, I i haven't seen any coverage of it so i don't know if it's like one of those things where it's like eh, it's a little small uh you could have done more or it's like uh at least you're kind of treating it this matter of factly and putting it there and i but like that was something i, I feel like i felt like i should shout out because i did i did clock it in the moment you know if nothing else it was, it was funny. Like I only knew about it cause I saw it on social media. Cause like in the moment in the movie, I just, I missed the, um, like I just missed it. It was just, cause I think he's just introducing his family members and stuff. And I just sort of like, I don't know what, I mean, maybe I was tired. I don't know. <laughs> I was just like, uh, you know, I wasn't in, you know, until like after. Actually, I, like, I think I might've seen so something on social media before it actually got to that point because I was, uh, I don't know. Do you, do you, have, have you ever, have you, have you ever watched the show? The other two? Oh, I love the other two. Yeah. So are you caught up on it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like they had the storyline earlier this season where uh, Carrie uh, plays a blob. who was like Disney's yeah. first ever gay character. And <laughs> there's this ongoing running commentary about how he's, a, he's gay because he only has sex with other blobs. And they're like, yes, but how do you tell a female blob from a male blob? He's like, well, no, he, he only has sex uh with with blobs and not humans so therefore you know he is gay but it's like how do you right. know it's a male blob versus a female blob and he's like doesn't matter he only has sex with other blobs and everyone's just like is this really representation he's like get, making a big deal of it and everyone was like kind of making i saw some people like referencing the other two in relation to this and like making fun of them because like they didn't look totally dissimilar from blobs when it's just like a blob of water and it's like oh like this is basically what the other two did but i'm like to Pixar's credit, I don't feel like it's sending someone on a promotional tour being like, yes, you're amazing. You're the first ever non-binary character we have who has like two lines. There's, I don't think they're like patting each other on the back in that way. They just put it in there. That's not to say they can't have a queer character play a bigger role in a future movie, though it's kind of notable that this was the way they decided to do it as opposed to something with like human characters, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, why couldn't, uh, like, why couldn't Wade's character possibly fill that role? You know, I mean, it's just because well, it was a love story with Ember, who is like, I guess, female to the extent there are females and males in this world. Though, yeah. I mean, it's like there are well, actually, there aren't really that many supporting performances in this movie that like you even had the space to like comment on their sexual orientation when you think about it. Uh, yeah. So I, I have something that was notable that Pixar did. Hopefully it shows that maybe they'll, you know, the, the, with whatever future movies they have coming out, maybe they'll find a way to be 
inclusive in that way in a, in a more uh prominent with the with a more prominent character you know uh but i wanted to at least like note that that was something they did not that like i have a lot of feelings on it strongly one way or the other um mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's that about wraps it up. I would say I'm I, I this will probably still be hanging around in theaters by the time I put it out next week. Um, as you can see, I think Joe and I like you know we we found plenty to like here, such that like we agree it is important to support the movie, and I hope uh, you all do if you happen to listen to this and just haven't seen it yet. Though we basically talked about everything, uh, <laughs> I would I would just say you know. I, I do think it's important to encourage other people to see this if they like if, if 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 you know people that like like to complain about how Pixar just does sequels all the time then like go shame them into seeing this movie. Uh, go see the originals. I mean, like that's the thing. It's like people complain about the sequels and then they don't go see the originals. You know, it's just like it's or they don't put the originals in theaters. But uh, you know, <laughs> oh yeah, that, well. that too. <laughs> uh, Joe, any uh, uh, anything else you've been watching recently you would like to shout out before we uh, sign off? Uh, I finally finished Better Call Saul. Um, huh. Yeah, really enjoyed, really enjoyed that series from start to finish. Um, mm-hmm. I prefer it to Breaking Bad. I'm not going to climb Hot mm-hmm. Take Mountain and say it's better than Breaking Bad. Like that's a different discussion for a different time. But I personally enjoyed it more than Breaking Bad. Uh, Bob Odenkirk is one of our great actors, and I hope he is rewarded with a small golden trophy to acknowledge that. So. I've never, yeah, I was never, it's better than Breaking Bad Person, but there was certainly a point like later on in its run where I had a, um, where, where I had a, like, I thought like, okay, I'm never going to say this, but I can always understand why someone might think that. And if nothing else, I would agree that its degree of difficulty might've been higher just because I think that's difficult with prequels when people kind of know where something's heading. Uh, mm-hmm. to like to, to like execute it and make it feel as suspenseful as they did throughout so i used to be like oh these people that are saying it's better than breaking bad or just they just want attention they want to like put a take <laughs> out there without much to support it and it's just on twitter they don't really have to explain themselves and i was like not that i, I always like better calls Saul, but i'm like okay come on like we know we kind of know where, where this is most of this is going but like you don't actually know where saul's story ends at the end of breaking bad necessarily you kind of like he just kind of mm-hmm. like you, you see him like briefly but then you don't know where he goes after that so it's like there's new stuff and you know like they spend a lot of time with cinnabon gene throughout better call saul and like it pays they pay it off um so yeah good recommendation joe i think it's probably mostly on netflix now right Um, yeah for anyone that never watched it and you know i want to do that i'll say i i'm uh four episodes into the new 10 episode season of the bear uh it's probably going to be like i I mean i don't know what's coming down the rest of the pike the rest of the year in tv but Honestly, it's like going to be, it's, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be my number two show of the year after succession. It's like really, really good. And it's pretty cool that like they put out a 10 episode season, basically exactly a year after they put out their eight episodes first season. You know, a lot of these like really good streaming shows that like might only have eight, 10 episode seasons. A lot of them like go away for two years at a time. And I think it's just really cool. They came right back around and put out a season longer than their first one that might be just as good, if not better than the first one. Just they've expanded the storytelling with respect to a lot of the cast that was there in the first season, but gives them more to do. But still, like you know, like getting you plenty of compelling stuff from the characters that return, and um, just really, really well, really, really, really well written. Highly recommend the bear if you haven't watched it. Uh, Love that show. Love that show. I'm 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 kind of mad they're not doing it week to week. Like I'm trying to savor it, and I don't mean that as like a food pun. I'm just like I, I keep finding myself like being, do I really want to be done with this already? And it's like I I I, I get it. Like certain things that they like places. I mean, who doesn't always drop all their shows? At, episodes at once of stuff but they did for that and i'm like i've already had a couple things spoiled for me uh like on twitter like more more about like who the guest stars are that are coming 
Um, and which is fine. I don't know exactly know what role some of them are in, but it's like, I would rather just like, you know, or like seeing people speculating about a couple of things characters did. And it's like, Hey, I, I don't blame those people for doing that. You know, it's uh, my fault for staying off of social media. If there's a thing out there that I want to watch and or not my fault for not staying off, I should say, but like, I, I, I much prefer like, you know, being able to watch join in in discussions as we go and i'm trying to like not just burn through it all in one sitting so i'm only four episodes in but really like it but i've heard like the six episodes like incredible i don't know joe uh if anyone wants to find anything you want to do you want to plug anything twitter or letterbox or any other social media wise yeah um i am the letter j parker morgan on letterboxd and um yeah, I, I actually, um, I wrote, I, I did some freelance writing for a um, Looney Tunes series called Bugs Bunny Builders. And my first mm. episode is on Max. So um, oh. if you have preschool children and you want to introduce them to Looney Tunes, um, my, as well as several other episodes are there. So there you go. Bugs Bunny Builders, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the, oh, so there, there are, okay, there's like. Like, like thirty, 20, episodes. there's like twenty nine episodes. Yeah, I was yeah. that. I did, there, when, when a few of your last, when a few of your things like had aired on like Disney Junior, I meant to record them and then I kept forgetting. So at least now <laughs> I know like I can uh, I, I can go to, I can go get them on demand. Um, mm-hmm. uh, as usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy, J O S H J U R N O V O Y on both Twitter and Letterbox podcast. Twitter's at Red Movie Pod podcast. Emails Red Movie Pod at Gmail Coming up next on the podcast, I don't know the order in which stuff will come out, but like sometime after this, I'm hoping to have episodes on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny and Asteroid City. I just don't know what is coming when. Uh, Please, everyone, stay tuned for all that. I want to thank Joe again for joining me, and I want to thank all of you for listening. We will see you next time.